Hello, I'm Jenny Fraze, and this is my podcast, Free Failing. This podcast started out as a blog where I could showcase my low light reel of sorts in an attempt to counteract the hellscape of comparison that I find social media to be. And now I talk to my friends about our failures and things that make us feel weird or isolated here on the spot. Listener, today we're talking about therapy and It's my favorite subject, I think. My own therapy journey began 10 years ago when I realized I was carrying around an inordinate amount of anger, resentment, which was mostly showing up as insecurity. Unbeknownst to me at the time, I really had little to no self-awareness. What I did have was a wildly inflated ego coupled with an attitude of Jenny knows best. When in reality, Jenny didn't know anything. (laughs) In a nutshell, I needed to be brought down a few rungs, but I never expected to shed so many different versions of myself in the process of therapy. And I mean that in the best possible way. So we'll talk about what all that means and much more. I'm so excited. I love this topic. Welcome to the therapy episode. Today, I am super excited to be talking to one of my friends and role models, Jennifer Mathias. I met Jennifer through the Peloton community in 2019, and we quickly became friends on Instagram. Seriously, nobody has me laughing harder in my DMs every day. Jennifer is one of the most well-rounded people I know from her love of books and her dedication to learning Korean over the last two years to her passion for marathon running and all things science. She especially loves sharing science-based knowledge with others, which has worked out extremely well for me. With a bachelor's degree in biological science from the University of Pittsburgh and over 10 years of experience in clinical research, Jennifer has worked on groundbreaking projects in almost a dozen different cancers, as well as the development of the life-saving COVID-19 vaccine. As someone who struggles with health anxiety, Jennifer was an invaluable resource to me during the pandemic, helping me to navigate the deluge of misinformation and providing me with easily digestible data. Jennifer lives in Pittsburgh with her husband, Joe, and two adorable Boston Terrier puppies, Chip and Dale. Beauty, brains, personality, ladies and gentlemen, this woman is a triple threat. And then some, please welcome to the pod, my friend, Jennifer Mathias. Hi. Hi. Thanks for talking to me today. <laughs> Thanks for sitting through that intro. I know it's hard. No one likes it. (laughs) I like it, but no one else likes it. It was great. It was great. (laughs) I'm always like, we should eulogize people when they're alive. So I think this is my one chance to do that in this life. So I'm taking full advantage. (laughs) So you very graciously agreed to talk to me about therapy today, which is something I am super passionate about. Started in 2013. So it's going to be my 10-year anniversary, as you said. So yeah, I guess I just wanted to kind of get your read on. Let's start with maybe how it started. Was there like a, a moment? And again, of course, you can be as vulnerable or not sure. in any capacity as you want. So just over four years ago, started my therapy journey with matching my my toenail polish to the furniture in the therapy office. I saw don't that. know how that's I did right. that. That's right. That's yeah, right. very serendipitous. <laughs> so cute, right? So I think there were two things. One, you know, I just kind of wanted to learn how to 
cope better with the world that we live in, my high stress job, all that kind of stuff. But I also, my, I guess my main driver, I have a complicated relationship with my mother. I don't talk about it a whole lot. So most people don't know, but she has had a slew of medical issues over the years, basically since I was about 15 years old, actually probably a little younger than that. Okay. She's had some, some pretty serious medical events in her life. She stopped working. I think it was after my senior year of high school because she no longer could work and just trying to like navigate all of that. And so for a little bit more context, I'm an only child. So going through everything that my mom was going through, her pain, dealing with how she dealt with her pain with me and all of those things and being a teenager and not really having other people to discuss it with is really hard. And so you mentioned I do marathons and half marathons. That's actually how I got into running uh, because I didn't know what else to do. So I just kind of like, I had my Sony Walkman, like the CD player with like the holographic thing on top and put the over the ear headphones on and I just go around our neighborhood and I just put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And that's still what I do. It's own version of therapy, a hundred percent exercise. Oh, absolutely. So I really wanted to learn how to deal with that because I care about my mother and I love my mother. And it's such a weird conversation to have the day before Mother's Day. Right. It is the day before Mother's Day. (laughs) It's not as straightforward as like, I should just love my mom because she's my mom. There's stuff around it. So I wanted to figure out how to do better dealing with that. Long answer. No, great answer. Wonderful answer. I love the incorporation of the exercise into it because that is therapy. Like for a lot of people, I think that they do sports early in life or things or have teams that they're part of. And I think that is a version of getting it out. Oh, yeah. 100%. It's like literally just energy in your body that you don't know what to do with that is just building it. and so you can literally run it mm-hmm. out or whatever it is yep. so no i think that was a great answer yep. i too i saw so I, I so we didn't know this about each other that's crazy <laughs> or maybe i've shared this before on my page i don't really remember but yeah i don't talk about it super often i do also have a complicated relationship with my mother and that we went i went no contact in 2016 okay at the guidance of my therapist. And it's a long story, but it just basically was not a lot of emotional support growing up, child of an alcoholic. And then as I got to be an adult, like things got closer for a little bit. And then there was just some like blatant, I was being treated poorly. Mm -hmm. There's no other Mm -hmm. way to really describe it. But you know how like when you're, I really hesitate to use the term abusive relationship, but in that cycle model, there's usually one person who can't see how bad the treatment is. And so we would have these blowouts and I, we would, let's call it break up for lack of a better word, right? And I would come back because I wanted to have a mom and she's the only one I have. Sure. And the cycle repeated several yeah. times. 
And finally, my therapist was like reading these hate mails that my mom is sending me. And she's like, you can do this three more times or you can do this 300 more times. Like, Mm -hmm. what do you want to do? And so that was a really tough decision. I had just gotten engaged. I had all these thought I had all these plans for how I was going to incorporate her into this special day and all these things. And so it was just that was really hard. But that is also what drove me to therapy was, hey, I have these I have this biology. (laughs) I have this genetics. Yeah. They're in here. I can't do anything. I I can't change that. So let me change my my responses or my. You know, I, I famously remember my first session telling my therapist, oh, she does this and she does this and she does this and da, 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 you know, and she just sits there and she kind of listens and she says, and in what ways do you think you're like your mother? And mm-hmm. I'm like, in every way. That's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. In all those ways that I just listed, they're in here, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I think that is a really good answer. So, okay, so like four years therapy during COVID, obviously, since we all really needed yeah. therapy during COVID, a lot of us. And were you one of the lucky ones who was a like first time fit with your therapist, the first one that you found? I was. And I actually nice. always wonder about that. I'm like, is she the best fit for me? Like, is there someone out there that's a better fit? know for me personally what I was looking for because it's such a I think you have so many expectations when you're going into it for the first time or maybe you have no expectations but when you don't know exactly what to expect you don't know what to look for but for me it felt very comfortable like from the start like I was able to talk to her didn't feel like anything was forced you know I felt like I could trust her you know those kinds of things yeah but it's hard to know how and I think for me I was like okay so do I walk in and just start like spilling out my entire no life one knows do we, like, no one knows each other? Yeah, <laughs> like right. you don't know well and you know even know. four years ago people weren't really talking about it as much as they are now 100% so and no I feel like nobody really talks about their sessions like they'll say like oh my therapist told me but like they don't talk about when you start and how awkward it is and how it can be challenging because not everybody, yeah, not everybody finds the right person the first time or the fifth or sixth time. Totally. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that because <laughs> that's a big deal. Yeah. I've also been pretty lucky. I've definitely had some that weren't a good fit. I've had to change sometimes only because I moved. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. so when I moved, I'd have to, like, go on the hunt and start it over. And then your intake over again, it's so exhausting yeah. when I was two and then I was seven, whatever it is, right? So <laughs> let's just get to the good right. stuff. Can you just look at my Instagram page? This will speed this right up. So, yeah. So that's really good. The space feels safe. Yeah. You're right. No one does talk about, like, what to I've- expect been yeah. at a loss of I've had to talk about my dog before just like I don't know what to talk about I'm in here it's weird um, right sometimes there's that therapist moment where they just let the silence be mm-hmm. and that is mm-hmm. so hard for me it's like are you gonna <laughs> ask me a question yeah. 
is there like a right answer that I'm supposed to be interjecting mm-hmm. here? Mm-hmm. Or are you just seeing how comfortable I am with I'm going to make a joke. It can't go on forever. Like I, I can't handle it. But uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of awkwardness in those first sessions. And I often say it's like dating. You kind of just have to like feel it out. Do we yeah. have the right chemistry? Am I going to feel comfortable telling you these potentially abhorrent, embarrassing things about myself that I wouldn't tell anybody else in the whole yeah. world, but I'm going to tell yeah. you who I've known for 40 minutes times two <laughs> or whatever it is, you know? Right. It's hard. Yeah. But to your point, I am really glad that the therapy conversation is opening up, especially around like marginalized communities. There's like a lot of nonprofits now. There's like a group that I really like called Black Men Heal. They do like mm. a whole bunch of just like nonprofit work for, you know, black people who are interested in having services that they just traditionally have not been, yeah, just haven't been available to them, you know? So I'm really happy to see a lot more groups like that yeah. happening because obviously being able to be in a position to go to therapy and have it covered under insurance, wild privilege. Well, not only that, but not having to code yourself in a certain way or not having to cover your therapist's feelings as a, you know, if you're a black woman seeing a white woman therapist, you're not on the same plane, you know? And so, and I've talked to a couple different black women that it's challenging for them and it makes sense why, you know, like they can't, does they can't just go into their session and be who they are they have to kind of code switch and they have to do all these other things that you and i don't usually have to do we can just go in and talk to anybody and it's going to be fine right right yes like the potential for the black woman man patient to be to wind up sort of comforting or coddling mm-hmm. their therapist yep. quite a bit higher yep. than if you or I, right, big time. Yeah. Okay, so you're four years in, you have the same one, very lucky. <laughs> uh, you guys go back in office yet or did you just stay virtual? So that's the one thing that I was going to mention about like having one therapist throughout. So I'm still with her. <laughs> but during COVID, obviously we went remote and that was fine. Like that's what we had to do. So she lives, I want to say it's like an hour or so away from the building where we were having our sessions. And she ultimately decided that just staying remote full time was going to be the best decision for her. And she was just kind of like letting all of her clients know, because one of the things that I would bring up all the time was like, hey, have you heard if they're opening back up yet? (laughs) Because I work from home. I've always, for the past what, six or seven years I've worked from home, like pre-pandemic. So I was used to it. Yeah, me too. But I love getting out of the house. (laughs) And as a CRA, you know, I used to travel all the time. So I wasn't physically in my house all the time. And then like, boom, I'm just home 24 seven. And I'm like, if somebody doesn't get me out of this house. (laughs) So like, yeah, any excuse to get out. Right. So I did it like while I had to. But then when she told me, it's your choice, I'm just giving you this information, but I'm going to stay remote, like forever. 
reestablish with somebody else or am I okay doing remote? And ultimately I did decide we were going to stay remote because I just didn't really want to start <laughs> again with someone else. It's really hard yeah. to start over. Yeah. And we like, it's really you know, it had been over. what? Yeah. Three, three years or so by that point. Like right. she knows me probably better yeah. than I know myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I can do other things outside the house, but I do, I think there is something to yeah. in-person therapy sessions that you just can't I replicate. I agree. One of my favorite therapists in Bend, Oregon, her, I can still remember the feeling of sitting in her office. Mm-hmm. It was all painted and these like tranquil blue, very calming colors. And she had like, just like a little like tea and all mm-hmm. these like perfectly textured blankets or pillows and like things that you could like feel and smell. And it was just like, I could not walk in there without taking a full belly breath in mm-hmm. and being like, okay, I'm grounded now. Yep. And it's different from walking out of my computer at work, moving over one room, yep. opening yep. up a new computer yep. and getting on this session. Like, it's just not the same grounding. Yep. And when your um, house is... So fully, I f- yeah. When your house is your office, yeah, it's just nice being removed from it. But... Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But what are you going to do? Right. I, my therapist also is not going back to in person ever. And it's because they're saving mm-hmm. like hand over yep. fist money yep. in rent. Yep. So I get it. I get it. What surprised you about therapy, I guess? So I guess two things. One, I really did expect like you just kind of walked in there and you thought <laughs> on the work. Maybe that said <laughs> something about me. I don't know. But like. You know, you're just going to walk in and start telling, you know, like time is my end. Therapy is not cheap, as we all know. Right. So it's no, like, it's not. come on. Even with insurance. Yeah. Right. Fix me. Let's go. <laughs> um, oh, I, I really, oh, I really did think like that was what, you know, you got, you had a little buffer period, but then you got into it. I guess the other thing too <laughs> I really thought it would be more of like just kind of telling me what to do. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that because me too. <laughs> like in a way, you know, they give you suggestions, they give you choices, options, know. you know, whatever you want to call it. But you realize this is your body, your life. You're the one in control, even when you don't feel like it. And. Right. That's all anyone on the outside of your life can do is they can give input and then it's your choice what you do with it. And I'm like, man, just give me the the playbook. I can follow rules really, really well. People go into therapy expecting that someone's just going to tell them what to do. Hey, if you just leave so-and-so or hey, if you just do this thing, you'll be fixed. And what does fixed really mean anyways, but. I know, right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, exactly the same. My therapist has never told me exactly what to do, except one time (laughs) at the end of December. I think you know what I'm going to say. She was like, 
I have heard you talk about wanting to start a podcast for 12 months. I need you to have a trailer made <laughs> in four weeks. And I was like, oh, not like yeah. that. That's not yeah. what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know. Like, I meant. Don't I pay you? But... Not the other way around. Right. Like, I'm talking about a to-do list for, like, maybe the deeper thing. Not my hobbies. I got yeah. that under control. Yeah. But obviously, she was totally right because I needed. It's bigger than just, like, oh, I'm making a podcast. Sure. It's like. Look, it'll help you all with all the things that you complain about, like connecting with people or whatever it is, you know. So, of course, she was right. And it was good that she <laughs> did give me a deadline because I am somebody who I like to get an A. I like to do <laughs> the assignment correctly. Yeah, right. Yeah. I like to. Yeah, if I did it, look, here it is. <laughs> so that was only one instance. But yeah, she exactly the same. I mean, with the exception of my very first counselor. So would have been 10 years ago and when I was still kind of on the fence about the mom stuff going back to mm -hmm. that am I making the right decision is this like what does a healthy parent relationship look like because I don't know so help me figure out what one is and she really did she had three sons and she was able to give me real world examples so in that instance I could send her these emails or whatever and she could read them over and say a parent doesn't talk to a child that way. Mm. And that was like probably the most telling me what to do I've ever received. Yeah. Right. Because then I was able to say, okay, well, on top of being extremely validated in what I already thought I knew, now I can take some action. I can choose to take some action to sort of put some boundaries up around myself. And yeah, so my answer is the same for the question, which is, I was surprised that it had been 50 minutes. Oh, that's our time. And all I had said was <laughs> uh, nothing, yeah. Yeah. nothing. Yeah. And can I get a 90 minute session? I really have more to say. <laughs> no, we'll just stop that. Like it's, they don't work that way. So. So what I'm hearing is, which is also a therapy phrase. <laughs> I love it. It is. Um, yes. So what I'm hearing, I need to do that more. I need to do that more. Is. We need to write a book on like, you know, the, the pregnancy book, what to expect when you're expecting. We're going to, we're going to spin yes. off of it. We're going to go what to expect when you're starting therapy. When you go to therapy. That is such a good <laughs> idea. I know people in my real life and I imagine you do too. I imagine maybe everybody does, but I know people in my real life who have had, let's say one bad therapy experience. Yeah. Okay. I won't elaborate on it, but when I was told the story, I was mostly horrified. A, it didn't really sound like therapy and think it more sounded like a church thing, a. which mm -hmm. is fine, but that's not sure. therapy, right? And that was it. They were like, done. I'm all done with yep. therapy. Yeah, I did it and that it was horrible. And I'm, and I was like, oh man. And I, you know, you don't, I'm not going to push my agenda, whatever, but it did break my heart yeah. a little bit. And that happens a lot, I think, to people. Or they hear of something or it doesn't work out with the first or the second. That is probably the biggest deterrent, I think, because who else takes my insurance? I got to go to this. It's hard mm -hmm. work to, yeah. it's hard work to do all of it, but it's very hard work to start. And that's what I would definitely tell people in what to expect. 
when you go to therapy. I mean, it's like dating, um, right? Sorry, like I'm already don't... I'm already working a title in my head. <laughs> yeah. You know, because you're not, you don't click with every yeah. person you go out on a first date with. You don't. So right. it's, it really is a lot like a therapist. You just, you, sometimes it works out and you like hit it off on the first, but sometimes it doesn't. Usually not. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think another big misconception that I would put in there too is you can go for any reason. And this is getting destigmatized as the years go by, right? But a very common, even like Gen X or Boomer thought process around therapy is that, well, nothing's wrong with me. I feel fine every day. I go to work. I put my kids to bed. I make dinner. I get up. I do it all over again. Like I'm fine, right? I'm operating correctly. And I just think that there's a, a lack of curiosity about patterns, what you bring to relationships. Mm-hmm. Like, could you be a better communicator? Could you be a better listener? I could be a better litany of things that I, I that's what mm-hmm. I figured out in therapy. And yeah. so I would love for people to know that you can sit down and you can say, I'm not really sure entirely why I'm here. I just feel like there's some. You know, I went through a divorce and maybe I want to explore how I went from being madly in love with this person to getting divorced 10 years later or whatever. And the right therapist will know, like, what questions to ask you. I think maybe people think it's just going to be this, like, silent room where you're pressured to fill the space all the time. And it's it's just not like that, you know, if you you get a good one. Oh, absolutely. And... To your point, I think everybody should be in therapy, like all the time. <laughs> and I know it's it's really challenging I do. to get in right now. I know. But so sometimes Joel asks me after a session, he'll say, what nuts did you crack today? Or like, what'd you fix today? <laughs> and sometimes... That's cute. And I know he means well. But like sometimes I don't really talk about any big problems, but I unload my life. I unload my work stress. I unload relationship. I unload puppy stress, whatever is going on. And it's a 50 minute or an hour, whatever it is, space for me to process things with someone who understands how to walk me through these things. Yeah. Importantly, the person is unbiased in your personal life. So I'm not getting the same feedback from my girlfriends or anyone as I am from this outsider who's completely just object, like can just see the bigger picture. Before I went, I was like, well, I work things out. I'm a writer. I journal all the time. Like I'm processing since I was nine years old, whatever. Like I don't need to go to therapy. And I think going back to the surprise thing, I was surprised how powerful it was to hear things come out of my Mm -hmm. own mouth Mm -hmm. that I've said to people, kind of, maybe, some people, but like shame is a great example. No one's at a party like, I feel terrible because you're like, it's not just not, it's just not a topic that we, we stuff it down. It's a terrible feeling. It exists in everybody and it's a terrible feeling. All those things can be true at one time. And so... To say, oh my gosh, I did this 
thing. I hurt this person. I embarrassed myself. I, whatever these like deep things are that you just, you know, they happened, but to say them, usually the response is acknowledgement and how can you show up for yourself a little kinder? And then what steps can you take to maybe prevent like, how do you want to mitigate this behavior in the future? But it mostly starts with, like, the kind self-narrative, which I'm only recently learning, and I really like that part. So I think this ties in perfectly here. So, you know, I'm also a bookworm. And I went to an author talk last night for Changing All-Stars, which I'm going to need you to read. I haven't read it quite yet, but it's, like, in my 15-book stack. Yeah, I have a big book stack. <laughs> but the reason I bring it up is exactly what you just said, but I, I loved the way that he said it. It was, so he was talking, the book took him, Nana, seven years to write, which isn't a terribly long time for an author, but it, I mean, imagine working on one thing. It took seven years. Right. Um, wow, yeah. And so he was talking about how he actually loves the process and he purposely takes everything slow because what he puts out can't be superfluous. It needs to make sense. It all needs to matter. And you only get that after careful attention and time and all of that. To all of that, he talked about the revision process and he said every time he does a revision, he says, how much more love can I bring into this? How much more love can I fold into this? Mm-hmm. And I think about that exactly with what you were just saying about the shame. He was like, how, how can I bring more grace into this? How can I bring more compassion to this? And that's how he reviews every revision process that he went through. And I just, I was just like, where's my pen? <laughs> but where's my highlighter? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, it, that's a great one. Yeah. Which I will obviously be telling my therapist when we meet next time too, because I think she'll eat that right up. I'm too. sure. <laughs> I'm sure. And that's <laughs> therapy working. Yeah. That you acknowledge that, that you pulled it out, that you wanted to write that down, and that you also want to like tell it to me, tell it to your yeah. therapist, therapy working. Yeah. That's great. I love that. You know, like on some of the childhood stuff, um, I had to learn. Well, two things. First, I had to learn to like reparent myself as an adult. Like, hey, just because you can stay up till two in the morning eating cake, you probably shouldn't, you know, but like, but not, not literally, but like kind of, you know, like, right. Look, there wasn't a lot of discipline there. There wasn't a lot of like guidance there. And what was modeled for you, the behavior was not exemplary. So. Yes, those things happened and they did cause some of these things. But at the same time, like I'm an adult, I'm responsible for my own behavior now. And I think that in the self-talk that we all have running most of the time, I didn't even know how bad mine was. Truly. I think it is shame and it just comes from mine personally came from childhood and not knowing that that wasn't supposed to happen. And In my first year, my counselor would always say, like, you're enough and you didn't deserve that to happen to you. And I've said this before on my page, but it all in the beginning just felt so sugary and after school special that I couldn't even hear it. I was just like, 
you are enough. I was like, just get out of here with that. Like, I can't. But like over time, though, it helped my narrative to shift from, you know, whatever the self-narrative is. I have plenty of them (laughs) to maybe you can do that. Or look, everyone else also feels insecure about, right, all these things. So I think that was probably one of my biggest takeaways so far from therapy was how can you shift the narrative in your head that's mm-hmm. like, you're not good enough. You're never going to do this job well enough. You're never going to be a good enough partner or whatever. You could do this better. You're to, hey, look how like, look how much like good stuff you did last month mm-hmm. or look how much good stuff you got done today or damn, you crushed it yesterday on that thing. It's like, that's never the first thing yeah. that you go to, yeah. right? It's yeah. always, what didn't you and do? And so, She's really, yeah, right. But then to everyone else in my life, mm-hmm. and like to go back to why I started this in the first place, the social media comparison, I'm like, these people are crushing <laughs> their lives every day. Like, look at this. So yeah, just to have the awareness that that's not the reality and everyone has problems and no one's curating their problems on social media, right? Like, that's not right. really how it works, so... All right. Well, last question. One thing that you have learned in therapy that you have yet to really implement that you want to, like that's hard Mm. for you, let's say. Mm. And there's definitely things. I guess it's kind of like a boundary thing in a way, but it's kind of like sticking up for myself, knowing that it's okay to do things for me and not have to explain myself. It's so funny because I don't consider myself a perfectionist. I don't know why, because everything that I do lines up with perfectionism, but I don't look Mm -hmm. at myself that way. But knowing that things don't have to be perfect, like I put, for example, I put a lot of pressure on myself at work because I mean, what I do is is very important and impacts literally hundreds of thousands of people's lives someday. Um, and now, right. uh, <laughs> so I take a lot yeah. of, of pride and, you know, all of that. And I'm like, if it's not perfect, if it's not ahead of schedule, it's not okay. Well, the reality is that's not going to happen a lot of the time. And that's okay. And it's good to strive for things, but being okay with falling short of my own expectations, I guess, because Everybody else around me doesn't share those same expectations that I place on myself. Would you consider yourself a people pleaser? Oh, 100%. Okay, me too. (laughs) I mean, I already knew, I already knew we were, but I I just wanted to ask. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you too. Boundaries are very hard for me and learning that no is a complete sentence. Painfully challenging. I'm like, typing it out no and then this whole thing after and then i gotta delete it it's hard it's so yeah. hard even yeah. you you saw me with the want to be on my podcast but if not no worries it's okay it's <laughs> so hard for me to just yeah and so i i feel you boundaries are very extremely difficult because we as a society are new to boundaries mm-hmm. and they come across as rude yep. yeah it sets you up for not being likable and oh she's a bitch and whatever it is so well a wonderful conversation 
We might have to have a part two. I loved it so much. <laughs> this is my favorite topic. Fun question before you go. One song okay. to listen to for the rest of your life. What is it? Oh, man. That's the hardest question so far. I know. Mm. Wrong guy. I know. I strung that one on you. I'm thinking about like, a weird question at the end of all these. <laughs> no, I love it. It's just there's so many. I'm a music person, too, like through and through. Um, Me too. I know you are. Yeah. <laughs> it's a terrible question. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I feel like Spice Up Your Life by the Spice Girls just because it's just so fun. And like every time I hear it, one, it brings me back to like, like an anthem. Thing. Yeah. And, <laughs> and just a good, fun, empowering song. Yeah. If I could yeah, only uh, listen to one song for the rest of my life, I feel like it would definitely be that or something like in that vein. And that's good. It's like speaking to your inner child, it sounds like. Kind of, you know, Absolutely. Yeah. which I, I love. I'm here for that. So much appreciation. Thank you for your time, especially on a Saturday. I love talking to you. And if you like what you heard today, you can find Free Failing on Instagram at Free Failing. Email me, jen.freefailing at gmail.com. Until next time, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.